When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Tribes Radio Go to Middlesbrough FC podcast. And we've got the band back together. I'm joined by Dom Shaw and Craig Johns. And actually looking at the screen, if you guys ever wanted to do a bit of fancy dress, we have Jake there with Craig and we've got the perfect Elwood there. Just get yourself a couple of black suits and ties and be the perfect uh, blues with us. You know, that, that went straight over my head to start with. Yeah, it did. I didn't know where he was going with that. <laughs> that was one of the greatest movies ever made. How could that go over your head? Good start. Uh, honestly, don't 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 get me talking about films. I'm I'm the worst man ever for film conversation. Never seen a Star Wars. Never seen a James Bond. What? I'm uh, yeah, I'm no good with films. I'll talk my I'll talk my bastard all day long, but that's about as far as I get. <laughs> I mean, I think, shocking revelations to start the podcast, mind. That is shocking. Yeah, I think we just scrap the rest of the podcast, the agenda, and we just talk about yeah. Dom's. I, that's that's alarming. Yeah, Phil, Phil and Vicky used to love a bit of film chat, but they soon realised that it was just completely ostracising me from any conversation when they started talking about talking about the latest film they'd watched the night before. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'll I'll, I'll dip into the cinema every now and again if there's stuff on. I'm I'm not like. You know, I won't not watch a film, but I'm just rubbish at uh, any conversation about films because the chances are I won't have seen it. That was a reference to the Blues Brothers, just for those like Bomb haven't seen one of the greatest ever movies. Um, I think Craig Craig knows where I was coming from, hopefully. I I was lost at the start, but then I I picked up where you were going with it in the end. It took me a while. I'm glad I won't have to delete this introduction and start again. Craig's more, Craig's more dedicated than me anyway, logging on on his week off, unlike me last week. There we oh, go, true pro. Yeah. That, to be fair. I mean, last week's podcast, I think, was the best one we've done so far. So we've set the bar. Uh, Dom, you've got, to, you've got somewhere to come back now. And I haven't made a good start there. <laughs> Before we kick on then, just a reminder to please like and subscribe to the podcast through other, wherever you get it from, whether that be Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever, and leave a review as well, if you get the chance, just means we can get the episodes out to a wider audience. Big game this weekend, Friday, as Middlesbrough play uh, Bournemouth, and of course, is a, a familiar face in the dugout down at uh, Bournemouth, Jonathan Woodgate. What do you guys make of the game? And just first of all, how important is it that Borough get three points on Friday? I think for me, it's uh, it's must win. It's absolutely must win for Middlesbrough. You know, the the gap is six points. Um, there's three teams above Middlesbrough between themselves and and sixth place. Bournemouth being one of those teams, so they absolutely can't afford to drop any points at this game. As far as I see it, with with just eight games to go, you know, they probably have to be perfect from from here on out. And you know, even even being perfect, it might not be enough. Uh, such as Borough's position. But I think, um, 
if they are perfect, they give themselves a, a, a decent opportunity, particularly because the next three games are against uh, Bournemouth, Watford and Barnsley. Watford are probably, um, you know, it's too much of an ask to catch Watford, but certainly Bournemouth and Barnsley are teams that Middlesbrough can catch and need to catch if they're going to get into the top six this season. So the fact that they are two of the next three opponents means for me that Middlesbrough are still in with an outside chance of making playoffs. But but yeah, I do think they have to be pretty much perfect between now and the end of the season. So yeah, for me, Bournemouth must win on Friday. Yeah, yeah I, I think mean, I think just... really sorry. I think you're no, looking, I was just going to throw in the the league position there just before we carry on. So what? Borough ninth, uh, fifty six points and six points off sixth. So just to put some context in. But of course, you you already know that if you're a Borough fan. Sorry, Dom. Kick on. Yeah, I think I think you've got to be looking at, at seven minimum seven points out of nine from those next three. I, I don't think a draw against Watford's a disaster, but you've you've got to be you've got to be Bournemouth and Barnsley because um, ultimately they're the, you know Watford are out of reach. I think probably Brentford they're fourth, but they've got a game in hand on those above. It's it's Reading and Barnsley are the teams. I think I think Reading for the side actually. You look at their running; they've got the toughest running. I think they play they play all of the top four. Um, it's, and, and and they've been faltering up. You know, I've looked at them for a little while as the team that probably looked the most vulnerable. Um, and Reading play Barnsley on Friday. So, so if you were to beat Bournemouth on Friday, then one or both of Reading and Barnsley are going to drop points. And um, so so that's why. Yes, we know it's a long shot, and we know that we're up against it. But they, they, they're not out of it yet. But they, they, they could be after the Barnsley game. One off said before those three games before the break that we'll know at the end of those games whether they're still in the race. And we actually didn't really. Um, but we definitely will know one way or the other at the end of at the, at the end of the coming week. How big of a test is Bournemouth then? I mean, since Woodgate's taken over, he's got a 50% win rate. But, I mean, they're not brilliant, of course. They beat Swansea 3-0 um, before the, the FA Cup game against Southampton. So, I mean, that's a good result to come into this. But they're still look like they're leaking goals and Woodgate hasn't exactly got it perfect. How big of a challenge is it for Middlesbrough to, to face Bournemouth? I think it's it's absolutely a challenge. I mean, you know, the league the league position doesn't lie. Um, I'm sure, and uh, that's uh, one for for the Jennifer Woodgate here is at Middlesbrough. But uh, you know, they are where they are in the table for a reason. They're a, they're a good team, and you know, they have players like Dan Juma, for example, who can you know, absolutely hurt teams within a within a flash. But Borough have those players too now, you know, the likes of Cabano and Balassi. I think they, it showed even as early on in the season when Bournemouth had first come down, um, what was the second game of the season, I think it was, wasn't it? First game of the season, uh, first home game of the season. And there were two pretty evenly matched sides on that year. And, and I think the same... You know, still all this we on, still all these months on, we're still a pretty similar position now where the two fairly evenly matched sides. And, you know, it'll be it'll come down to who gets it right on the day, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Bournemouth do from the outside looking in, they look pretty hit and miss. And, the, the, you know, the, you look at the team and they should be capable of taking teams apart like they did Swansea. Um, and then I think the only game they've lost in the last three or four in the league is to Barnsley when Barnsley were rolling over everyone in sight. So, um, y- y- really, you, you know, you look at where they are on, on paper, and we know obviously the, the uh, games aren't played on, on, played on paper, but on paper, the, the, their squad is certainly in the top three or four. Um, 
for the managerial appointment in the summer didn't work out. And, you know, credit to Woodgate because it all happened in a mad week, didn't it, really? Graham Jones went, Tyndall went, and then before Woodgate gets the coaching role and then he's the manager. I think I think he's done a good job there um, in that Bournemouth were faltering somewhat. And, and we know how hard it is to stop the slide, whether you're at the top of the table or the bottom of the table. When when, when you're on that, I mean, they weren't, they weren't in free fall by any means, but they were certainly stuttering along. And he's had some good results. Um, they lost to Southampton, which was obviously disappointing for them, but um, they weren't going to win the FA Cup. Yeah, the trip to Wembley had been, had been lovely for them. But sadly, I think you'd more most had, had accept promotion over a, over a semi-final trip to Wembley, because when you look at the teams that were left in the FA Cup, they weren't going to win that. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's must win for them as well, I think, on... Friday because uh, I suppose a draw isn't a disaster for them, but they've got a game in hand. Reading and Barnsley, as I say, are playing each other, so so they'll see this as a massive opportunity as well. You mentioned there uh, Woodgate getting the gig. I think it caught many people by surprise. I mean, they'd been links to the likes of Thierry Henry, which I don't think would have been a sensible appointment anyway. But that was the kind of name that was being thrown in the hat, and then Woodgate comes in and gets the job. Were you surprised? that he was given such a high-profile job, given, like you mentioned, the squad Bournemouth have got and the expectation of this season. You know, they were expected to go straight back up. As it is, they'll probably struggle to do that or definitely will struggle to be in the automatic position anyway. Do you think, given the way it ended at Middlesbrough, Craig, and, you know, it didn't end well, they were just outside the uh, relegation zone on, on goal difference and he walks into this job. Were you surprised? No, I think, as Dom said, you've got to give him credit. You know, he went in at a, a pretty chaotic time. You know, he went in expecting to be a coach under under Jason Tyndall. And, and, of course, within a week, Tyndall had gone. And, as Dom said, Graham Jones had, had gone too. And uh, and and so Woodgate was the natural person to kind of put in caretaker charge, given his experience at Middlesbrough. And, you know, we've, we've heard him talk about kind of drawing on the experiences of the other coaches who have been at the club for longer. But in terms of stepping up as the number one person, his Middlesbrough experience made him the obvious choice to do that in a caretaker capacity. Now, I'm sure, uh, you know, as we as you mentioned there, names like Thierry Henry were, were thrown about in that time. And, and I'm sure Bournemouth did, you know, look to attract somebody like that to get the promotion uh, chase back on track but credit where it's due uh, Jonathan got on with the job at hand and he did have a really really good start you know he he was doing excellent and it was understandable why Bournemouth the Bournemouth hierarchy looked at that and and thought you know what the, the ship seems to be steadied under Woodgate he's, he's leading us in the right direction let's let's leave this until the end of the season and see where it takes us. And I think if if things continue as they have been for him, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't get it on a more permanent basis either because he has, as Dom said, done really, really well there. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think you know when he went in, when he went in there, he, he'd done a couple of interviews, hadn't he? And he'd, he'd done the Jamie Carragher podcast, which was excellent, where he talked about um you know wanting to get back in. And I think I think he probably accepted that he was going to have to go back in as a, as a coach and serve his time. In that, that's probably what he'd have had to do anyway. But um obviously the opportunity presented itself at Borough. Uh, that you know you can't turn that down. The chance to manage your hometown club, the club he loves and supported since he's a boy, and and, and used to go to Wareham with his dad when he was when he was a kid. Um, 
so I think he was he was absolutely accepting of the fact that he was he was going to serve his time again, and then as you say, circumstances dictated that within a week he was he was thrust into the job, and and he and he then earned I think he then earned his position with with a couple of good league results. I watched the game at Burnley in the FA Cup, and they were excellent there. They they, they merited that victory. Um, so yeah, I'm pleased for you know you look back and he, he'll be the first to admit that. Um, Last season didn't go to plan for him. It was mitigating circumstances, undoubtedly. He he came in and he, he had an idea of how he wanted the team to play, to be bold, to be attacking. And I think he realised probably early on that it wasn't going to be as easy as, as what he first anticipated to, to change the mentality of a team that had been set up in a certain way under Tony Pulis um, the, uh, the years previous. I think... He's the biggest mistake, and and he's accepted this, and he talked about this quite a lot recently. I think he needed a more a more experienced uh, backroom team, a more experienced assistant, just someone to to maybe bounce those ideas off, especially when things got difficult. Um, and you know, it might sound silly given the position Borough were in when 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 he left, but I don't at the times you know I don't think he was a million miles away. They were Borough were excellent in the wins at Preston and West Brom. Um, he wasn't helped by by injuries in certain positions, and and as I say, maybe being a bit um, in limbo as to what his team were going to be or what his team um, wanted to become. But you know, he, he took the job, he gave it a good crack. I think what what I what I find hard to stomach is, um, and, and this was during uh, Woodgate's tenure and since, he's always held his hands up and said, you know, football fans have an opinion and that is absolutely fair enough and, and he'll he, he will you know any constructive criticism he'll he'll happily take on board that's what football is at times with Woodgate too often that criticism gets personal um and I think that's sad because he's just a proud T-sider who yeah he's made mistakes in the past he says that um but he's a proud T-sider who, who only ever wanted the absolute best for Borough and gave his all you know a young manager who gave his all um it didn't work out, you know. Put a move on, he moves on. Uh, ideal scenario this year, they both both make the top six. You know, Borough are heading in the right direction under Warnock. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But but I hope Woodgate's a success as well, whether that's at Bournemouth or, or anywhere else. Do you think he'll go into this game with a, a point to prove? I mean, by what you're saying, of course, I'm looking kind of from the outside in. He, he, he got you know relieved of his duties, but it didn't really end on bad terms. And you know, like you say, it was just. It was just unfortunate. So, do you think, though, you know, there'll be no hard feelings, and this is just this is just another game that Bournemouth need to win, rather than a kind of a, a grudge match against the side who who sacked me last year? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll certain that that he'll he'll say that's the case. It's just another game. Um, I said, I suppose it is a game that he look. I think the importance of the game first things first makes him makes it uh, you know the the um a, a must win for them. Uh, I think it goes without saying that he'd, he'd, he'd love to not get one over on Borough because he's still a, a, a die-hard Borough fan who I would imagine, you know, as soon as he comes off off the off the pitch as a, as a Bournemouth boss, he'll, he'll look out as a fan for, for how Borough have gone on. Um, he, he's talked since about how there's absolutely no hard feelings. He's grateful for the opportunity he was given. Um, I think, you know, if circumstances were slightly different, he might he might still be in charge now. Um uh, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I haven't spoken to him at length since since he left. 
Um, but having listened to interviews and read interviews with him, uh, and, and, and in the brief exchange I've had with him, there certainly doesn't seem to be any bitterness there. He, he completely, you know, Woodgate more than anyone can, knows the ups and downs of football. Um, and he kind of accepts that that's the way that's the way it works, particularly in management. It might feel unfair at times. He was given the opportunity. He gave it his all and more. It didn't work out. Um, you know, he'll, he'll wish Borough well and, and he'll now be desperate to, uh, to be a success. Because I think that's the thing that struck me with Woodgate. Um, and maybe, maybe taking charge of his hometown club. He wanted it a little bit too much and, and he was unable mm. to separate the kind of personal element, element and the professional element because... Um, you always hear Tony Mowbray talking about how he just loves football. And even when Blackburn aren't playing and when he's not kind of at work, um, he'll watch football. And, and I think Woodgate's the same, just loves the game, always has loved the game. On a Sunday morning, he was he would he'd manage the um his 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 lads under nines or under tens team, whatever it was. Um, you know, before he got the borough job, he had that role at Liverpool where he was going around and scouting and, and, and watching games. He just loves loves the game of football. So, um, I, you know, I, I think that he was always he was always going to do his absolute utmost to get another opportunity, whether that was in coaching or management. It was it was a difficult time as well for him to take over, wasn't it? I mean, of course, you know, he was coming into his first management role, but it was also a time where Borough were needing to kind of cut finances as they are, because as we've seen in the heroin financial accounts that were released recently, you know, and then they kind of took on this new transfer policy of trying to bring in these kind of young players who they would hope would have future sell-on value down the line. And, you know, of course, what we saw at that point was then some of these players coming in and, and kind of finding that jump difficult at the borough. And and because, as, as Don mentioned, there was no kind of experienced coach behind Woodgate, that perhaps left. And, and you know, we've also heard Warnock speak plenty about the lack of, of leadership within the squad in itself as well. So that perhaps for some of these players coming into the borough squad from lower leagues and things like that, uh, who, who perhaps just needed that wise old head you know, that Warnock is to put the shoulder around them and, you know, give them that confidence and give them that belief. Mm. They just the makeup of everything around Middlesbrough probably wasn't there. It maybe wasn't the right time for, for Woodgate, but I'm sure, you know, he he learned a lot from the borough experience and, and as we said, he's he's got this, you know, this opportunity is being thrust at him now at Bournemouth and using those borough experiences and, and perhaps mistakes that he can maybe reflect that he made at the time. You know, I'm sure he'll go on and, and, and improve as a manager and you know, potentially have a very good career. Because so I think that's one thing we can we can often do too often um, in most sports. To be fair, not just football, but you know, one one failure and and suddenly you can be written off so easily. And and, and you know, sometimes you you learn more from your failures than you do successes. So I, I've got no doubt that uh, Woodgate can still go on and have a really impressive coaching career personally. In terms of looking ahead to the game, then obviously we're recording <clears throat> this before. One press conference, but what are you expecting, Craig, in terms of um, team news and how Middlesbrough approach this game? Well, it'll be interesting. I think the, the big thing is um, obviously Marcus Tavernier and, and how he'll be because um, he uh, limped off against Millwall and I think he could be important to help Borough play. It would be a massive boost if he is okay and this international break came at the right time for him to rest up. Of course, we also have the two Northern Ireland lads who are away. They play, as we record, um, 
on Wednesday afternoon. They play tonight for Northern Ireland. And then Middlesbrough's game is, of course, Friday, but Friday. So that gives them, you know, they're in Belfast tonight. They'll, they'll likely, you know, I, I don't know how that will work logistically, but I would imagine it's probably easier for them to just meet the team in Bournemouth, you know, tomorrow evening um, would be would be my guess. But you've got to question, you know, particularly Paddy McNair, who is so crucial to Middlesbrough's team. What kind of fitness is he going to be in? I, don't, having, I mean, I don't think he played, did he, the other night? I think he missed the USA friendly, which is uh, which is quite a boost. Um, uh, but, he, you know, being with the international team and not quite having the rest that everybody else has had, and then they added travelling as well, uh, that's that's an issue for, for Burr in terms of team news as well, uh, because, you know, Paddy McNair, whether defence or midfield has been so crucial to the team this season. But uh, but for me, I think, particularly because I look at one particular game of Woodgate um, reign at Bournemouth so far, and that was the Cardiff game. They actually lost that game uh, to Mick McCarthy's Cardiff, but they had pretty much all of the possession in that game. They just didn't do anything with the possession, and, and Cardiff hit them with what they had. And Middlesbrough on the day, we know that is what they're good at. They can soak up pressure, stay solid at the back, and then they transition very quickly and hurt teams. Um, Marcus Tavernier can be a big part of doing that. He's so good at that when he plays in that central hole. So I think for me, him being fit could be could be crucial for Middlesbrough on Friday. And Dom, how do you think they're going to approach it? Um I, I think I think as Craig said there, the, the McNair and Savile thing's a big thing. I, you know, it, it, we, you, we often hear managers um, bemoaning international schedules, but I completely get the frustrations this time around because to play to have an international um, less than forty eight hours before a, before a championship game just you know seems absolutely ridiculous, and then to play again on the Monday. Um, so and it, it doesn't give you know if. if it doesn't give really Burr any chance to, to even monitor McNair. You've just kind of got to take his word, McNair and Savile, for, take their word for how they're feeling. Um, but it's not like they're even going to get a day a day to um, monitor them on the training ground because they'll, they'll be travelling on Thursday, as Craig says. It probably makes more sense to meet them in Bournemouth. Um, but I completely agree with what Craig says there about the kind of Cardiff blueprint. Um, I think Cardiff's got a couple of set piece couple of set piece goals and bullied Bournemouth really and Borough probably haven't done that as well as what um Neil Warnock could have liked this season. But you know you know you're not gonna go you're not gonna go similar to the Swansea game and that you're not gonna go to Bournemouth and outplay them. Although Borough do have some uh, very talented players especially in the in the front third year as a as a team and, and, the, and the way they play you're not going to go and outplay them. But um Borough have been very good on the road at, at stifling teams um, and making themselves very awkward and almost turning the game into the type of game that they want. Uh, and I would fully expect that that's, that's how they'll approach it on Friday. And you mentioned there the, the international, uh, well, with the national break. I mean, any idea on how, you know, the players have been doing during the, during the break and what they've been up to? They've been given time, time off or they've been in training and working on, you know, tactics, formation, etc. 
I know last week that uh, Middlesbrough were off um, after the Millwall game. They had Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, and they were back on the Thursday. Um, so that gave them, you know, like a good a good period that they haven't been getting to kind of to to rest up. And uh, you know, we've heard Warnock say on on plenty of occasions that probably more than any other manager, um, he'll he'll give his players time off. Uh, he, he believes in them having time off, and I think this season in particular, as we come towards the end as well, there's been so much football played in such a compacted schedule because the season started late um, you know I think that that probably comes at a good time to just kind of rest up some some muscles and uh, you know hopefully then you know then they've still got or had plenty of time to kind of prepare for this Bournemouth game so um, yeah I'm sure that uh, that time off will have served them well Fingers crossed um, I'm just wondering there, with the fact that it is such a quick turnaround, has Warnock mentioned anything? Do you expect them, Dom, to mention something tomorrow about the fact that McNair and Savile have literally 40 hours to to, to get ready for this Bournemouth game? Oh, I, I would I would put my house on the fact that that will that will crop up, and the first question might not even be about that, but it will undoubtedly crop up. He, uh, Woodgate's had a niggle as well, and rightly so, because. I mean, they don't have Bournemouth don't have any players in action on Wednesday night, but they did on Tuesday night. Um, Mepham was playing for Wales, and Shane Long was playing for Ireland, um, who played Qatar. Where was that? Where was that? I just seen it was a neutral. Yeah. I mean, that's where like you can completely understand the qualifiers are fair enough, but when you're playing Qatar in a friendly three days before you know a quick double header in the championship, you can completely understand frustrations. Um, but yeah, I can. I would, um, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if Warnock didn't mention that at least two or three times at his press conference on Thursday. <laughs> we definitely should start. Uh, again. And to be fair, sorry, sorry, just to put in, I think the, the what what the, the the issue, the real issue is, we've said this a few times, haven't we, Craig? Um, if there's one player who he didn't want to lose, it'd probably be Paddy McNair. Um, yeah. In the uh, he's been brilliant, whether it's been at the back or in midfield in recent weeks. So um, Savile has uh, he's lost his place in recent weeks, but he had a decent first half of the season. But McNair, um, we, we've we've got a survey going out on Thursday morning asking fans for their Player of the Year, and um, McNair would would definitely get my vote. I was just going to say we should start a game of Warnock Bingo. I imagine that could be quite quite fun. The, the thing is, like, it's so unpredictable, isn't it? That's the thing. So, I, how, how do you even go about compiling the bingo card? I suppose you could do it by what's happened in the last week, and then you just kind of, so for instance, the turnaround um, would get, you know, and just mark it off. But again, like you say, if it is that unpredictable, I suppose you'd struggle to get a, um, a full house, unfortunately. Um, but might be something to work on. I was going to have a, what was my question there? There was a question I was going to ask you, and I've completely forgotten what it was. That was what it was. Who's going down to Bournemouth? Oh, I am, sorry. Yeah, I am. When you said who's going down, I'm thinking, I thought you meant relegation battle. <laughs> yeah, I switched off. I'm going down. Well, with it being Good Friday, I mean, surely, I mean, is fish and chips on the agenda? You know what? I was actually thinking this last night. Um, and I'll tell you why. Fish and chips is my takeaway of choice. I absolutely love fish and chips. Um, but I've had, I've had it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, and I'm thinking, like, really, can I merit it again? And then also, um, 
How, when would I get it? Maybe after the game, I suppose. I'm staying in Bournemouth on the Friday night, so I, a nice stroll down Bournemouth Seafront. Yeah, with, I was going to say, three yeah, o'clock kick-off, yeah. getting your time. Yeah, I suppose I... Uh, I suppose I could do that. I gave up chocolate for Lent. So I'm thoroughly, my mind's thoroughly on, on Sunday and tackling half a dozen Easter eggs. The, the question is, because we're so fortunate up here to have great fish and chips, will the South Coast you know, be able to rival that, do you think? Not a cat now's chance. No, I was... Uh, actually, um, um, uh, I'd seen Sea View, which is a great... Uh, you know, you're a family who live in Saltburn, don't you, Craig? I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so you'll know Sea View Chippy on the front. Yeah, and that was on yeah. that was featured on BBC Two, some food programme on BBC Two on um on uh, last night, Tuesday night. And you watch it with pride, you know what it's like. If, if anything comes on TV that you're kind of been to or you know, you watch it with real pride. So text was slung around the family, get BBC Two on. <laughs> Although they were eating crab from there, which wouldn't be my choice. I'm I'm cotton chips through and through when I go to you know what? I'm got sausage it. and chips. I gotta admit, well, the missus nah, likes nah. fish and chips, but I'm a bad sausage man. No, I can say this. I can say this because she won't be listening. Um, my girlfriend loves a battered pineapple. Can't get my head around that either. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can get the battered pineapple rings. Well, that's... I've never heard that. No, no, no. battered pineapple. You might have seen the story. Uh, if you haven't, Craig, just say you are, because it was on Teesside Live, so you'll obviously have read it. The, the, the battered chip buddy at um, somewhere in Seton Carew, and it, and it's the, the, the full things battered, so the bread as well. I mean, that is absolutely filthy, that, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe when we can, when the restrictions lift, you know what we'll do? We'll go down to that chip shop and we'll record a live version of this, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll rate it. We'll While you're getting stuck into your battered sausage. <laughs> <laughs> um, we wanted to finish with a discussion about Mark Viduga because this week he uh, labelled the Birmingham goal in 2005 as one of his uh, top three goals he scored. Um, what did you guys make of Viduga at Middlesbrough? I know as a Newcastle United fan, he was, I was over the moon when he signed for Newcastle. Unfortunately, by that point, and no disrespect, Mark, he wasn't in the best of condition. He came in a time when Newcastle, you know, were f- in the end were re- relegated. Um, but I was always a fan of him, and I think especially when he was in his in his prime, he was he was quite a striker to handle. Yeah, I, I think if you if you're doing like Riverside Dream Teams or or any sort of that, um, you know, the list of strikers Borough have had quite staggering really when you think of um Ravinelli and Boxic and Yakubu, Hasselbank. But Vaduka would always top the pile for me. Um and, and if you were playing four four two in a uh, in a river in a classic riverside team, um it'd be Vaduka and because ah, he was just he was one of those strikers where really I think I think there was a stage in his career where he could have played for any any team in the world. Um back to goal he was he was incredible and I was at Birmingham that day. Uh, when he scored the volley, I think he scored two. Um, but he scored the volley, and it was, um, you know, where where you when you're in an away end, and there's a pause between the ball hitting the net and and the raw because it's kind of like what's just happened. Um, well, it was that. But it, I mean, that made me think kind of about the best players, and and with Aguero uh, obviously leaving City, it just kind of made me think about the best players you've seen in the flesh. Because I, I think the Duke of probably in a Borussia, um 
I think Henri's probably, and I know there's a lot of the d- d- debate this week about the best best striker. I think Henri's probably the best I've seen in the flesh full stop. You're bound to say Ronaldo, Craig. I, I don't know, actually. I think um, I'm always a fan of the workhorse, and I think always watching Wayne Rooney for me was uh, was big. You know, just the way you know he could do special things on a football pitch, but he also put the work in as well. It wasn't completely unknown to see Wayne Rooney lose the ball in the final third and then chase all the way back to the defensive third to make sure he won it back. And I, I love that kind of commitment. But then also talking technical ability, then as a Man United fan, I look at Paul Scholes as well. You know, the way he could ping a pass uh, and, and pick it pinpoint. He was a special player to watch as well, Paul Scholes. Can I just say this whole debate about the best striker in the Premier League just frustrates me. I think big, big uh, counts on Twitter when they do these polls, they just have to be trolling your Cast United fans because the debate often misses out Alan Shearer. And you're like, he scored the most goals in the Premier League. No one's come close. Harry Kane might do if you know if he's lucky. But I mean, Alan Shearer, without a shadow of a doubt, is the best Premier League striker there has ever been, you know, just look at the goals he's scored. Um, I thought, I thought, I thought you were going to make an argument for Stefan Givash when you started there. Uh, we're talking about the worst player, um, to, to grace the, the Premier League, he'd definitely be up there. I suppose, from a, a Middlesbrough point of view, I was always a fan of Giannino. I just thought he was just he was, he was just unbelievable to watch when he was on his, on his day. Oh yeah, Janino, especially in that first spell. Um, and you know, talking to, when you talk to players who 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 played for Borough around any of his spells, really, uh, and ask them who who the best player they played with was, they, they'll always say Janino. In fact, I don't think I've ever spoken to a player who said anyone other than Janino. Just in the you know what he could do with the ball, so few could do, and and um, especially in that first spell, you know, he was kind of Brazil's number ten. Brazil's player of the year, it's staggering when you compare it now as to who that would be the equivalent of for a signing. Um, and, and I think the other thing, what, what made Janinho so special, was the fact that A, uh, his commitment, and B, again, speaking to the players who played with him, he was such a good guy, such a decent guy. You know, we all know the stories about him going to have a kickabout with uh, with kids on the street. And when fans come knocking at the door, he'd, he'd go have a kickabout with them outside. Um, so, yeah, you know, Ginny, Ginny, again, going back to that Riverside 11, uh, and this is where it always, this is where you always kind of, you know, watch system. I think it'd have to be a 4 3 1 2 with Janino in behind, in behind two forwards. Um, but yeah, he was, he was special to watch. It's it's incredible, isn't it? Because I mean, you look at this period. I mean, if you look at Borough's history in Hall, in the Hall, you know, certainly pre Brian Robson, there wasn't you know any major great successes, and then Brian Robson comes in, and then they have this period between Robson and McLaren. And, and, you know, the kind of players that played for Middlesbrough in that period, you know, some of the players you mentioned there, you throw in the likes of Mendieta, yeah, um, some absolutely fantastic players who, you know, from my era, like the kind of Premier League era, I was born in 1991. And, you know, there's so many of these players where I kind of have these kind of groups of players in my head and, the, you, you know, you kind of have the the elite, you know, I've mentioned the Henrys, the Roonies, the Cristiano Ronaldo's, players like that, really, really elite players. I think Dennis Burkamp for me, is one I should have mentioned earlier. Uh, Dennis Burkamp was a wonderful player. But then I've got these kind of group of players who are like almost iconic Premier League players, if that makes sense. They're not necessarily going to be grouped in that kind of elite 
elite, elite, but the kind of iconic Premier League players. And Middlesbrough had so many of them, you know, Mendietas, Yakubus, Vadukas. Like, such a blessed period for the club with some great players gracing the Riverside. It was, uh, you know, I can imagine brilliant to be around at the time. And it's easy to forget, like, players like Paul Ince, um and Andy Townsend, and kind of, you know, internationals, seasoned internationals have played at the top level for years and by no means passed it when they came to Borough, anything but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a long list. As you say, it was a, um, a, a great time, that kind of seven, eight, nine years, some of the players that came. Um, and just imagine watching some of the training sessions. I'm going to go back even further. I'm just going to put an honorary mention in for Graham Souness, who, yeah. you know, was one is one of the best players I think has ever graced the game. And obviously, um, me and Craig definitely weren't around to see him um, play. Dom, <laughs> near, late not 80s? quite, not no? quite. Although, although I feel like I was because my dad's told me so much about him, and he, uh, yeah, he always says he's the he's the best player he's seen in a Borough shirt. I just and then you watch you watch the highlights I know on YouTube of his days at Liverpool as well. Just, just the he's one of those players who I think you could you there's there's very few of these type of players who you could pick out from the seventies and from the eighties and just drop them into a team today because the style of games changed and the pace of it. But I think looking at him and hearing stories about him and you know what you read about him, he's definitely one of those players you could just drop him to the center of a team today. He'd stick a boot in, okay. He'd probably get a few more red cards, a few more uh dismissals, but he could still, you know, he, he would still have that reputation as one of the best players to grace the English game, I think. Yeah, safe to say he'd tick the leadership box as well that, that Warnock wants in his in his team, just a bit. Yeah, well I was I was thinking that myself actually when you were talking about Faduka and thinking, God, how 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 much they could do with a striker like that up top now, he'd be perfect <laughs> would be for a Warnock team. I bet Warnock would have loved Faduka. Yeah, just on Vaduga, I'm sure, by the way, now, uh, he runs a coffee shop in Zagreb. <laughs> yeah, um, he he did a, a story, I'm sure it's in Zagreb. He did a, he did a, uh, a podcast, I think it was with an Australian station earlier, it will have been last year now, and he talked about his life now and what have you. I'm sure he, uh, which makes for a great Where Are They Now series when they're not involved in football. Yeah, well, um, going back to what Muz mentioned earlier, scrap the um, Seaton Carew battered chip butty. I think we're all off to Zagreb, aren't we, for a live podcast? <laughs> yeah, that'll get through on expenses, no bother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you do Google um, Mark Viduga coffee shop in Croatia, you will find an article by Dom Shaw on Teesside Live, which explains exactly how the former Boa strikers end up running a coffee shop in Croatia. So um, there's your mid-afternoon long read there guys um i think we've definitely well you've got it you know you've got it the advertising players pays our wages and for that trip too as you say croatia you know (laughs) that's what we'll end up paying it um i think there's definitely a podcast or two here on maybe the best borough side whether it be the best five aside team or what have you so that's something we'll definitely pen in for for maybe at the end of the season when we've got the uh the, the summer to deal with because um, we will still be ploughing on through, and I can see the excitement in the guys' face as I say that. Um, I think that we will finish here by just asking Dom and Craig for their score predictions for this game against Bournemouth. I, 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 I fancy Borough. I think I, I fancy him to go down there and 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 do a job. Um, 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna go one nil. Yeah, I'm I'm similar to Dom. I'm expecting a quite a scrappy tight game. Um, I don't think it'll be easy, uh, and I think it will be a kind of you know backs to the wall kind of job like that Cardiff blueprint was spoke about. Just to be different, I'll I'll go two one, but uh, yeah, two one Borough obviously. There we have it. Nice to have a full house of positivity heading into the weekend. So fingers crossed, uh, it's a, it's a Borough win, and we can be back next week talking about how there's some renewed hope for a playoff push. In the meantime, thank you guys for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and pass it on to your Borough supporting friends and family so we can all listen to uh, the ongoings down at the Borough side together. Once again, thank you for tuning in.